Welcome to Fertility Now. I'm really excited to have Gail Sexton Anderson on today's episode. Gail is a leading innovator. She founded Donor Concierge and co-founded Tulip. Her motto is putting intended parents' needs first, helping them work through the decisions which need to be made when building a family through egg donation and surrogacy. Hey, Gail, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm so excited to have you on all of my listeners. You know, Gail is a mom of two. She loves being a mom and wants to basically support others and help them grow their families. And she is a very important voice in talking about using donor eggs and using surrogacy. She has a master's in counseling from Harvard. And uh, she and I just wanted to open up this discussion and, and talk about this incredible option for our patients. So Gail, what are you seeing out there with regard to your intended parents? What's happening out there? Well, I think, um, especially right now, I think there are an awful lot of, of people, like through COVID and the pandemic, they're really sort of assessing what's really important to them. And for so many of them, it's family. And, right. and for many people, they've struggled for a long time to create their families and, and have decided that they, they just don't want to wait anymore. And so they're they're going forward and, and creating their families. And, and that may be in all kinds of different ways. And for me, what I'm seeing is there are so many people who are moving forward with um, third-party fertility, which is the area that I specialize in, which is egg donor, sperm donor, or a gestational carrier. So um, we're seeing a huge influx of people who are wanting to you know, move forward and create their families. You know, I think it's interesting. I've noticed the same thing in our practice is that with the corona a virus situation, people have had time to think about what's important, what they really want, um, and it kind of had a time to pause. And you're right, we're seeing so much family building. So, you know, a lot of my patients and patients you see at your mm -hmm. centers, you know, they potentially need a donor to family build. And we're seeing our male female couples who have ovarian reserve issues, their eggs aren't helping them make a pregnancy with their own eggs. Mm -hmm. We see our single moms who have lower ovarian reserve. They may be a little bit older and they're not becoming pregnant with their own eggs. And we even see our single men and our men couples who are going to use an egg donor gestational carrier. Absolutely. It's absolutely incredible. And these really amazing patients and people can, can start their family building a lot of times utilizing an egg donor. Yes. Yes. It's, it's incredible. It is incredible. Um, and we work a lot with um, both, uh, well, all different types of couples, people from every walk of life, um, but definitely singles and couples, um, same sex or single men, single women um, who are you know, creating their families using um, egg donor and sometimes gestational carrier and sometimes all three. Yeah. And it's such a great, uh, great option. And what I hope our listeners realize is that when you're using a donor, the success of that pregnancy and the chance of pregnancy and the pregnancy rates are incredible. And it's really based upon, you know, the age of your donor, not your uterus. So you can do this as long as your uterus is good. You've had a water test, saline sonogram, and the uterine cavity is good. You can do this. And so it's really common to use donor, to have a donor, uh, to use a donor egg pregnancy um, and start family building this way in the United States. And a lot of people don't realize that. Do you agree? Oh yeah, no, totally. I, I agree. And and we actually work with people from all over the world. 
Um, so we work with about 30% of our clients are international clients. Gail, are they, are they utilizing you and your services for the obvious because you do a great job, but also is it not available in their countries? It's often not available in their countries. It's often not legal in their countries, particularly gestational uh, carriers are not legal. And in many countries, you can't um, do egg donation either. So coming here to the U.S. is, you know, opens up so many avenues for them. And and during their process now in the last, last year, are you doing a lot of Zoom uh, and tele, telehealth discussions with your clients around the world? Absolutely. It makes it so easy, huh? It, it does. It's great to be able to have eye contact and really have a conversation. So it's sort of, uh, at one point, I was so much more used to having phone conversations, but now I really like the opportunity to really look someone in the eyes and have a conversation with them. I love this. I think it's, I think it's probably here to stay maybe in a hybrid model for, for all of us. I think so. so. It's yeah. great. You know, when I bring up the need to potentially use... Um, an egg donor for pregnancy and for family building. Um, I want to kind of throw this by you. Some of my patients are really excited. Um, mm -hmm. Some didn't even realize it was an option. Yeah. Um, some are, you know, they want to do it yesterday. But other patients, you know, it's a difficult decision and it kind of takes them time to get around it. Yes, I, I find that, um, and you probably see this all the time, that when the first time that a couple or individual hears that their best bet for um, carrying a pregnancy is to use a donor. Often they, they, they may walk away because that's not right. something that they want to hear. And it can take them six months to 18 months to kind of really get their head around that. Um, and because usually they've tried everything before they come to, to donor egg and which is understandable because they have to get to the point where they're they're ready for that. It's a very slow evolution to getting to a point where instead of it seeming like a terrible affront, instead they can see it as this is an amazing opportunity to be able to create our family. Right. And I feel that way too. I think it's an amazing opportunity and I'm so for it. Sometimes as, as a clinician, I wish my patients move towards it quicker. Yeah. Um, and I feel like God, we, we've been spending years together. I kind of always felt we may get into trouble using your eggs. And I wish we did this earlier because I could have helped you create the family of your dreams sooner. Right, right. But I think sometimes they have to get to, they have to try that one more time. Right. Before they, they can say, okay, I've tried it. And now we go forward. And you probably also have seen that there are times when, um, when a woman may decide that she'll do a cycle on herself as while she's doing a donor cycle. So right. there is that possibility that if she gets that one egg, she can try and see if that might work. Right. You're right. A lot of people, they want to try, they want to go all out. And if, and if that doesn't work out, then they'll be open to utilizing a donor, donor pregnancy. And, um, that, that makes me happy because at the end of the day, I just want to see them family build. Um, yeah. you know, I know we talk a lot about, what is an anonymous donor? What's a known donor? Um, how would you explain that to our listeners? Well, sometimes it, it, it's, it gets a little complicated because really <laughs> what a known donor would be is, is like if you have a sister or cousin that, that is willing to be a donor for you. Right. Um, but, um, and that can be something that could be a really good thing for some people. Um, though, if you're doing this because of advanced maternal age, your sister's probably not too far um, you know, she's probably right. in the same age group, so it may not be a good choice. 
The other thing that can be, it can be a little complicated when you're using a family member as your donor, because though it, you know, it, 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 within a family, you can't have these big secrets. And so you want it to be something that, that everyone is open and, and accepting of, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, great aunt Sophie quite gets this. And, and, you know, she may say things that make everyone feel uncomfortable at the Thanksgiving table. So, So I always say, if you're going to go that route, get some counseling, get some psychological counseling around that both together as well as independently, because sometimes say that your, your cousin who, um, says that she'd be willing to be a donor, she may not know how to say no. And right. so she needs to be able to have the opportunity to talk to someone privately to say, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this. Um, and and it may be, you know, it may go the other way. Hey, that the don't the the cousin is willing to do it, but you're not sure you want her to do it. <laughs> so right. so it's a good idea to kind of get that counseling before you dive into it. And and to get legal guidance around that as well, if you decide to go forward that way. Right. So all of our patients who want to utilize a donor and, and also patients who come to you for help finding a donor, we have our patients say reproductive counselor for exactly those reasons to bring up discussion, open up all these points, answer questions. And like you said, if it's a known donor, we want to make sure that person who's interested in donating to you or says they are, are really are. And what you said, sometimes when our reproductive counselors are alone with them, they say to them, you know what, I maybe this is not right for me. And they said that they would, but it, it doesn't feel right. So reproductive counseling is so important. With your with your in your practice, you have all of your couple see reproductive counselor? I would love to have all of them see a reproductive <laughs> counselor. It's not something that that you know I, I require of them. But I think it's, I think it really can be very helpful because it helps them. It's not a case of, of them being evaluated like, oh, exactly. are you, can you be parents to the, you know, to a, a child, you know, through donor? It's more a case of it helps them to think through everything so that they can feel that much more at ease with the decisions that they're making. Right. I say the same thing. I, I, and we're not judging you. You can do this, but talking to our reproductive counselors will bring up questions. And if I was, going to utilize a donor, I would say to the reproductive counselor, you know, you've interviewed everyone, you've met everyone. Are patients happy when they've done this? Of course they oh, are. And the yeah. parents are, are ecstatic. And then the issue is, is, well, if you're going to utilize a donor, would you tell your child? Are you going to tell your family? And so there are, those are questions the reproductive counselor can bring up. How do you feel about that? Oh, big, I think it's that's a big really question. Important. This is a big issue. It is a big issue. And, and, and I think that uh, when people are very new to all of this, um, they may be more hesitant. Um, and uh, as I say, everyone knows their own family culture. And there are some cultures um, beyond family where just it's, um, it may be a culture from, uh, you know, their ethnic background where there could be, you know, sort of taboos to the idea of using a donor. And, and they're going to be aware of that. But if you're, they're not dealing with that, I, I think that it's always a really good idea to always be very open with your child and to start talking about this um, from the time that you get pregnant, um, sort of telling the story of how our family came to be. And you can do, um, you, you can put together um, a lovely book with you know pictures of all of the supporting players. And some of those supporting players are, are the, you know, the doctors, the nurses, the, the donor, if you use a gestational carrier, then, you know, the, the, the surrogate. Um, and you, the parents and the child, you're the stars of this story right. and, and children love stories about, um, about them. 
And so for them, it's something that, um, and even if you don't want to put together your own uh, little, little story, there are some really great books out there to help talk to your children. Right. So though that's, it's very, it, it's, it's incredible um, what you're saying to be open and talk about these things. I feel Gail years and years and years ago, you can correct me if I'm wrong. We were having our patients tell their children later. And now is it true that the trend is to really start talking to your, to your baby in utero or when they're right, when they're born to talk to them about this beautiful journey? Is that where this went in your experience? And now we're so open about your heritage. It, it is. And, 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 and actually, you know, I'd say that from, you know, I've been in this for about 25 years, but yeah. you know, California perspectives can be a little bit different than on the East coast. And I'd say that, that we've always had that perspective that you should talk to them uh, from the time that they're, and when I say in utero, it's not so much because I think the child's taking it all in. This is your practice. This right. is for you to get more comfortable with the, the whole, you know, this is how our family was formed and, and, and start getting, um, comfortable with that story so that when you are do have a child and I started reading to my kids as soon as they could sit up you know so um and that was the thing that they loved most was being read to so reading a story that's about that's all about them children are children are very self-centered because that's a big surprise I'm sure (laughs) you know they they love stories about them so um I mean who wouldn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah I yeah do you think most um intended parents disclose this to their children that that there was a donor utilized for for their pregnancy. I think that I, I think more now than say in those early days. In fact, oddly enough, I just spoke with um, a young woman who um, I worked with her um, her parents. Um, this woman's nineteen now, um, and and I, I spoke with her yesterday. And I said, "So, did your parents tell you from a very early age?" And she said, "Well, actually, they told me when I was thirteen, which is like a tough time to be telling a child yes. that because." You know, that, that 13, 14 year old stage, preteen and all of that, that's a tough stage to be telling your child. Still, it, they, they told her it, it hit her like a ton of bricks, but she's gotten over it and she's totally fine. Um, but um, so there's not like a set time, but it just, it's easier if it's always part of the story of how your family is born, always part of the, you know, the fabric of your life rather than something that is, you know, like, surprise, you know, um, where they, they kind of, it, it can be very upsetting um, if it's not something that's always, you know, part of the discussion. You don't want to over, you know, you don't want to have overkill on that either, because mm-hmm. it can be something where it's like, yeah, mom, I get it. <laughs> you know? Right. Leave me alone. I'm cool with this. Leave me alone. I know. I've heard it. <laughs> so, you know, like you said, every family is absolutely perfect. And that's what's so exciting about our field. Um when I've I've have questions, and I had a question yesterday from a potential patient who said, "You know, is there an avenue if I find out my donor um, or my offspring ends up having a medical condition, so that the two of them can share notes? Because I'm not genetically related to my daughter or son, but the donor is, and they may want to know about different things that are going on." You know, there is the uh, the donor sibling registry, which is something that they can. I, I don't. I think the cost for that is is pretty minimal, um, and I think it's good to have a way that that you can have a way to connect and find out more information at a latter date. Um, there, and, and it's also something because there's always contracts that are involved with this that you can put it into the contract that um, you would like to be able to have what we call identity eighteen, where. Right. 
when your child is 18, if they want to find out more information that they could, you know, possibly get in touch with the donor, the donor has to be in agreement to this as well. And so that's also a way to kind of not close doors so that your child, um, when your child is, because of course, when you're first going into this, it's sort of, this is your story, but it's something where this is also your family story and your child's story. So you want to make sure that they can get the kind of information that they may need or want. Are you seeing most of the donors you work with being open to the identity yes. or open to open to being open? I, I find most donors are very open. I think it's sort of a um, a misconception that you know donors are trying to be totally anonymous. Um, you know, I, they don't necessarily want to be invited for Thanksgiving dinner, but yeah. you know they are. You know women who choose to be donors are, you know, they're, they're bright young women and they are doing this for more than just the money. They, they also have altruistic intentions. They have no intention of being the parent, but they want to be able to help you and they're socially minded and they want to be able to help this child if the child has questions um, down the road. I also had the opportunity to speak with um, the, the young woman who I mentioned that's 19 I also spoke with with um, the woman who was the the donor, because this is a case where they wanted to get reconnected. And in this case, I could help them with this. It's not something I can help any everybody with, but um, because I am aware of you know the parties that were involved, I was able to you know connect them through everyone's permission, of course. Um, and the young woman who um, was the donor, um, young woman, she's now fifty one, you know. So. Um, but she's like, no, I've, I've been, I, I always intended to, you know, be available to, you know, speak to a child. And she just wanted me to talk to, um, to the, uh, 19 year old to make sure that everything was fine with her, that she wasn't like, you know, having problems at home or something right. and, you know, looking for an escape. Um, and so, you know, the young woman, the 19 year old woman is fine and she's and and so they're going to be connecting and, and talking. Um, but that's, it's nice to know that they have. Yeah. Yeah. They, they both have the, the right intentions going into this. And, and uh, you know. Yeah. It, have you seen that connection being happened in the past or is this a newer potential? Um, no, because I, I uh, years ago, I, I started something called the registry, which was for people who were, you know, doing this. I, I no longer taken, you know, names from that. But, um, but because there, there were people that really wanted to be able to have an avenue to be able to connect with the, the donor in the future because their child may be curious, because they, you know, may have questions about health issues. But it's sort of, you know, I, I likened it to uh, if you keep all of that information away from a child, it's a little bit like the uh, Pandora's box. You know, it's sort right. of like the more you keep it a secret, the more it becomes something that they just really want to know about. So, um so I think it's just a healthy thing to be able to, you know, have that be information that's available. And and you know, um, there have been a lot of, of uh, talks recently. I know Elaine Gordon has um, talked quite a bit about the fact that there is no true anonymity anymore when it comes to donors. And I think that's just a reality. Um, it's not something to be afraid of because the donors have no interest in being, you know, the parents of the, of the children. But um, you know, they're also not afraid to be socially uh, responsible and answer questions. Right, especially Tay with technology and social media and genetic testing of people, that potential to meet up in the future could happen. So, Absolutely. like you said, mm -hmm. most donors know that's a potential and are very open to it. 
Yes. You know, I think it's important for us to touch on how does someone become a donor? And first of all, they're incredibly cool, generous people, like you said, and find it rewarding to help someone else. And I've seen that in my career for many, many years. But I wanted to throw out there that obviously our donors are screened by FDA regulations. So they get blood work and carrier panels. They're usually of a healthy age for their egg quality. Gail, would you agree between 21 and 32 years? If that's yeah, we, an we usually keep donor. it a little younger, but <laughs> okay. yeah, maybe yeah. 29. Yeah. yeah. And there's incredible legal documents, uh, mental health evaluations, and they see our genetic counselors. And they're really, um, they're really, you know, we really make sure that they have the good intentions and they're going to be a great donor. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, our donors are fully informed. And mm-hmm. I think it's important that they have a support team that's behind them when they're going through this process. Um, in your experience, Gail, what um, what would disqualify someone from wanting to be a donor? Um, I'd say the things that would disqualify them from wanting to be a donor might be just um, if they if it, when they talk to their friends and family, and uh, uh, you know, and they if they don't f- still feel strongly about doing this because you know maybe they talk to their friends and they say, oh, I don't think I could ever do that. If that gives them pause, then then maybe they shouldn't do it. It has to be someone who sees this as being a way to help someone else, that this is a a gift, that they're not using these eggs right now, and that they would like to be able to help someone to create a family. If they see this as something like that they have children out running around out there, then they shouldn't be a a donor because they're thinking of this in terms of of the genetic connection. Um, and, And it's not going to be the right choice for everyone to do. But um, but for many young women, um, it's something that they can feel really good about having helped um, to create a family. Yeah. And I tell a lot of my patients, I get to work with our donors. They come in, they're doing ultrasounds, they're going through the process of IVF. And these donors are just like us. They're amazing. They're in school, they're students, they're moms. They're just like us and they're very cool. And uh, what's so important I want to throw out there is that, again, the Patients who want to be donors are screened. They're so involved in this process, and we have done our due diligence that they're really invested in in doing this. The other thing is when one of our donors is is doing this and they're being stimulated with the first step of IVF so that we can take out their eggs, the centers we're so careful with so much respect to them. We want their stimulation to be smooth. We want them to have good ultrasounds. We want them to come into our offices and have complete respect. And, um, you know, we're going to do a retrieval. We want things really smooth. The chance of a risk or a problem is incredibly, incredibly rare, but they're our family and they, we want it to go so well for them. So I just want to say that, you know, they're Um, your patient too. Yeah. And it's, and it's just, it's just very, very important. Um, Gail, what this is, this is right in your area. The, our intended parents, Mm -hmm. what are they going to know about a donor that they potentially will pick? You know, they are going to know quite a bit actually, because usually um, when they, they get to see a profile, the profile includes uh, photographs of the donor, usually at different um, stages of her life. So often there'll be you know ch- some childhood pictures, some teenage and, and adult pictures. Um, there's information about her health history, her family's health history, um, her educational background, um, and depending on the, every agency has different uh, things that they ask in, in their profiles in terms of more personal information. 
you know, some will ask them, you know, brief essay questions, you know, what were you like as a little girl, you know, what's your favorite color, um, but just little things where you can kind of get more a sense of, you know, who they are as an individual and the types of things that, you know, what their interests may be. Right. And so, um, do you, for the donor, do they know a little bit about the intended parents who've chosen them? They sometimes they do, and, and, and but not always. And and but they usually are able to um, to ask. They certainly are always able to ask the questions. And and sometimes when they're filling out their application, they you know they have the opportunity to say, you know, if there are any people that they would prefer not to work with, or are they open to working with everyone. So if they do have any particular leaning, um, you know, to the types of families that they are interested in forming, they they can certainly let their their uh, pre- their preferences be known. Right. Tell us a little bit about Tulip and Donor Concierge. Give us, tell us what you're doing these days. Okay. So um, Donor Concierge is um, sort of the original company that I founded 15 years ago. We're about to have our 15th anniversary. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Um, And uh, Donor Concierge was started because I realized that intended parents really wanted to find someone that would sort of seem like they fit into their family. And often, um, you know, a long time ago when they would be looking, because I, I, I've been in this field for 25 years. And so in the early days, they might have, you know, the internal egg donor program at the clinic, and maybe there are a few other agencies that maybe the clinic work with. But still, sometimes they might not find someone that really felt like someone that they, they could uh, identify with that, you know, sort of looked and felt like they could kind of fit into their family. Um, you know, whether that was for ethnic reasons or, you know, a whole variety of, of reasons. And actually, a big part of it was for me, ethnic reasons, because people, I would have Chinese couples that would contact me looking for a Chinese donor. And I would be told by the agency owner, well, we don't have any Chinese donors, but we do have these nice Hispanic girls. Not the same thing. You know, yes, they have dark hair and dark eyes, but this is, you know, for the couple that is uh, Asian that's not the same thing any more than, you know, for a Hispanic couple to say, oh, we don't have any Hispanic donors, but we've got these Chinese girls. You know, it's just not the same thing. Right. So um, that was something where I felt like there has to be a better way for people to find someone that they can really relate to. And so um, I found that what I enjoyed most was helping people to find a good fit. And so I started with, you know, about three different agencies that I thought, you know, had good reputations that I felt comfortable with. And then it, it grew and grew, and now we work with um, well, well over a hundred different agencies uh, for egg donor, sperm donor, um, and uh, gestational carriers. Probably close to two hundred, actually. Um, and um, so we can help them to find um, what they need. Um, it, we sort of we're more of an aggregate to help them find what they need, and also to help them to you know sort of solve problems as they're going through the process so that they can get to cycle more quickly and efficiently than they can doing this on their own. Tulip is an offshoot of that in that um, with Tulip, it's more of a do-it-yourself. Where donor concierge, it's more like, say, if you were uh, doing a, a house renovation, uh, donor concierge would be you're hiring an architect and, and, a, and a, a decorator that's going to help you with this process. With um, Tulip, it's more of a, of a do-it-yourself where you're going to Home Depot and you're going to get all of the things that you need to be able to you know, create your family. So there's a Tulip has an online coach that can help you. And as you start narrowing things down, then, you know, they, we connect you. There's a portal so you can be connected directly with the agency t- 
to ask additional questions on the candidates that you narrowed your your choices down to. So donor concierge, do your clients are work are they working with a case manager? They work with a case manager directly with donor concierge. So with donor concierge, we always start every um, every there's a free consultation before they ever get started. And that's where we want to know what their journey has been up to that point. Um, what are the things that are important to them? You know, what are they looking for? Um, and then we can help them, you know, to find those things and also to help give them some realistic expectations of, you know, are there, you know, going to be Greek donors out there that, um, you know, are, are educated and that, you know, that, that can travel to my clinic, that sort of thing. Um, those are the things that we can help them with. Right. And I've seen some of your case managers online and when they make a match for an intended parent and make it all happen, they're so excited. Absolutely. Because, so. you know, um, they've, they've done the ultimate gift and, and, and you know, made some comfortable doing this, brought mm -hmm. them along and probably did a lot of heavy lifting for them and made it happen. Right. Well, and, and we, we are always going to be, we're going to be connected with the coordinator at their clinic as well, because we want to make sure that we're sort of that um, advocate and liaison for them. Because we've done this thousands of times for any intended parent who's just getting into this, they're going to be brand new at this. And there's going to be, it's, it's like they're stepping into a strange world where they don't know the language. We know the language. We also have the connections to help get answers to things more quickly than they would be aware of being able to do on their own. Right. So in, in looking at Tulip and donor concierge, um, it's about guiding support and attention mm -hmm. and really um, having an opportunity for someone to feel comfortable doing this. Because at the end of the day, all of our goals is, is to help people family build and, and give them the support to kind of make that move. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, I think we've had a great talk. I, I really am happy that you and I could speak this half hour and give our listeners just a little bit of tidbits into this great option for them. Um, any closing comments you want to say by chance? I, I think that that one thing I always want people to know is that um, that they have choice, that there are, are you know that that whoever they are, that there is there are going to be some donors out there that can be a good fit for them. And that can you know fit into you know their family, fit into their budget, all of that. That there are many, many different choices and options for them, and, and that I hope they don't get discouraged, but realize that there are many choices, um, so that they can go forward and create the family that they've always been dreaming of. Right, there is always a good fit if you if you give it the time and energy. Absolutely. Well, Gal, I want to thank you very much uh, for talking about this really important. Uh, option for our patients and, and allowing our listeners to meet you. I want you to check out Gail on donorconcierge.com and tulipfertility.com. She has great content and check out her blogs. The other day I was looking at some of her blogs that are really neat. So jump over there. And remember, you can follow me on Instagram at fertility.now at Dr. Spencer Richland, Facebook and Pinterest. Feel free to email me with any questions or suggestions. I'd love to hear from you guys. My email is fertilitynow1 at gmail.com. Gail, thank you so much for talking to us and giving us a little information on this. Thank you. <laughs>